0: All right, so 3.30, we're here together. Thank you for being here. This is going to be fun. We're talking about standing together. Have you all sensed the theme and what we've been talking about so far? We had stand up, and we had stand out, and now we're standing together. Uh, have you seen the videos of the marshmallow test where a kid is left in a room? You know what I'm talking about. A kid is left in a room with a marshmallow and the adult is like, I'm gonna duck out of here and I'll be back in a few minutes, you can eat the marshmallow now, or you can wait until I come back and I'll give you a second marshmallow. And the video is all about watching this child like struggle with himself or herself trying not to eat the marshmallow, which I can totally relate to. Can y'all, be like marshmallows in the room, We like marshmallows? Okay, now they've updated this test. Have you seen this one? In January of 2020, researchers did a spin on the test. And it's the same idea. We've got a kid in a room left by himself or herself for a couple of minutes while the adult leaves, except they substituted the marshmallow for a cookie. Okay, now the stakes are higher, you understand. And so here's this cookie in the room. But in addition to that, they put another kid in the room as well. So we have two children in one room with one cookie. And they say, you can either split this up and eat it now, or you can wait until I come back and I will give you another cookie. Hmm. What's happening right now? I microphone problems. That sounds like terrible microphone problems. Okay, anyway, better than the next, right? We're fine so i thought the building was falling in it's not a problem we're doing all right so we've got a cookie we've got two kids and what researchers found was when there's another kid in the room what it what happens is the one kid is thinking i can't eat the cookie because then i won't be i'll I'll be taking the cookie and the other person won't have a cookie to eat see there's something about accountability involved with this you know what i'm saying like if there's somebody else in the room I want to do the right thing instead of being selfish because this other person is here. So, the researchers found out that by and large, the kids did not eat the cookie so that later they could have one whole cookie for each of them. Standing together. Here's what the wise man says in the book of Ecclesiastes. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12. Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Have you ever, like, snapped a pencil in two just because? You just wanted to, so you did. All right. Is it harder or easier if you snap three pencils versus one pencil? Which is easier, to snap one pencil by itself or three pencils together? Yeah, one pencil by itself, right? If you get three pencils and you do it, you might be able to snap them, but it's going to be a lot harder if you can do it at all. See, that's kind of what the wise man is saying in Ecclesiastes 4. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Here's the idea. We're stronger together than we are apart. The Equip Conference is all about what book of the Bible. Have y'all heard this? You got it. The book of James, right? The book of James is all about this guy James who is the brother of Jesus, but who prides himself instead on being just the servant of the Lord. And here's James and he's writing to Christians. And he's talking about some stuff that's really hard to have to withstand. He talks about suffering and trials and temptations. He talks about quarreling with one another, which means like fighting, being at war with each other. He talks about uh, the way that we use our words. He talks about how some people want to be mean to other people based on just all sorts of things. In in James chapter 2, he talks about some people have more money than other people, and so some people treat rich people nicer than they treat poor people. Okay, so after all of that, we might think, okay, what does this have to do with standing together, with being a group of people who are in this together? But there's a word that comes up over and over and over and over. In fact, 15 times. And the word is brothers brothers why do you think james says brothers so much what's he talking about who's he talking to his christian brethren his christian brethren all right when we say brethren what do we mean do we mean just the guys or are we talking about the brethren and the sistren? Right? We mean the guys and the girls, right? So here is James and he's writing to these Christians and he's saying, oh, he reminds them over and over, brothers, 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 15 times. Hey, you all need to stand together. You need to be together because you're stronger together than you are when you're all by yourself. Is it easier to do the right thing when you're all alone? Or is it easier to do the right thing when you're with somebody else who also wants to do the right thing? What do you think? Which is easier? When you're with somebody else, right? Especially if that somebody else wants to do right. So, there are going to be times in your life, in fact, maybe you've already been through some of them, when you have to take a stand. Sometimes you're going to have to stand up for somebody who's being bullied. Sometimes you might need to stand up for the truth when somebody wants to tell a lie. Sometimes you might need to stand up for your convictions, for your faith, for the things that you know is right. Sometimes you may have to stand even when you feel like falling down. Like life happens, you know? There's hard stuff that comes and you have to decide I'm going to keep going even though it's really, really difficult. James talks about all that stuff. And in that book, And i think in other passages of scripture we're going to see this in just a minute he tells us that it's so much easier to stand when you're standing together now standing together with whom in part with our brothers and sisters right that's what james says brothers but there's one other area i want to talk about first before we go into talking with standing together with our brothers all right so we're going to break this down into two parts, all right? The second part's going to be way bigger than the first, but I I feel like we've got to talk about the first part first. When you are standing, standing up, standing out, you're never standing alone because, number one, you're always standing with God. God's always with you, right? God's always with you. So, let me give you a few passages outside of the book of James that talk about this. We're going to spend a lot of our time outside of the book of James for this session. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Does somebody have a Bible? Can you go there? Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews is right before James, isn't it? Alright, that makes it easy. Who will read Hebrews 13, 5, and 6 for me? You got it back there? Thank you, my friend. Make sure that your character is free from the, from the love of money. Be mm-hmm. content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you. Nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to Alright. Look at the end of verse 5 again. He has said. Who's the he? Who said it? For he has said, I'll never desert you or forsake you. Who said that. God did. Okay. God said, I'm never going to desert you. What does that mean? Leave you. Leave you. You're never going to be on alone. As long as we are trying to live for God, as long as I want to submit my life to God, do what God says, God says, I'm always going to be there. Now look, because He said that, is that a promise? You think that's a promise? I think God means that, don't you? I think God is saying, listen, I'm never going to leave you all on your own. I'm never going to leave you stranded. You ever gotten lost at like a Walmart or a mall or... You you remember like really big stores we used to go into? Y'all still go into big stores? Okay. It used to be a thing. long time ago, before Amazon, you could go into a store and sometimes you'd get lost, right? Have you ever like felt like you were lost? Maybe you just felt like that and you looked over and you're like, oh, there's my parents right there. I'm really not that far away. Okay. That feeling of being lost, what does that feel like? Not knowing where your people are. What do you think No wrong answers here. Just let me know. What is that? How does that feel? Panic. Panic! I like that. Anybody get the sweats when you start panicking? (laughs) You know? That's no fun. (laughs) Start feeling all hot all at once. You're looking around, trying to find what's going on. Baby, you realize that heart's starting to beat kind of fast. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all been there? Okay. But look at what God says as long as you're with me, as long as you're standing on my word, as long as you're standing up for what's right, as long as you're standing out as my people, I'm never, ever, ever going to desert you. You're not going to look around one day and suddenly God's left you. That's not the way God works. So look at verse 6. We can confidently say, the Lord's my helper. I don't have anything to fear. What can anybody do to me? God's always with me. See, you're never standing by yourself when you're standing on what's right. God is always there with you. According to Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Alright, anybody ever heard of the Great Commission? You heard of the Great Commission, right? Go, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. But at the end of that, this is Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always. Remember that? Even to the end of the age. I'm with you always. Is it scary to uh, invite people to come to Bible class or worship with you? People who don't normally come? I mean, is that kind of like, that's a little scary to me. I I think it's scary. What if they say no? Then I feel like, oh man, that's kind of weird, you know. I feel kind of embarrassed. I shouldn't, you know, but I kind of do sometimes. All right, but when I'm going out and trying to tell other people about Jesus or help them to come to know Jesus, Jesus says He's going to be with me. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Um, boy, there's a lot of verses of Scripture that talk about the fact that God gives us this promise; He'll never, ever forsake us. Can you walk away from God? Yeah, you can. But God says, I'm never going to walk away. Right? If you leave me, that's your choice. But God says, I'm always going to be right here. So when we're standing for what's right, standing up, standing out, we're standing together with God. What do you think? is that a nice thought? Do you like that? God's always with me sometimes we think about this and it's like god's always with me and so he's watching everything you do you know he knows when you mess up you know whatever and that's true the bible does say that but most of the time in scripture god's presence is supposed to be a comforting thing to know that i'm not all by myself you know god's with me through this that makes me feel good all right so standing together we're always standing with god hey In 2 Timothy chapter 4, let's go over there a minute. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Here's this guy, Paul. Y'all ever heard of Paul? Yeah. He was like an apostle, right? In fact, he was one. Paul sometimes was put in prison. What did he do wrong? Remember? Why was he put in prison? Mostly because he didn't do anything wrong, right? In fact, it wasn't because of something he had done that was wrong. It was just because people didn't like that he preached the truth about Jesus. Some people were trying to stop him from preaching. Can you believe that? And here's Paul, and he's in this prison cell. Probably like, you know, back then prisons were a little bit different. It may have been more like a hole in the ground with this hole up top where they could like, you know, put stuff down there for him if they needed to. And so here's Paul, and he's down there in like this hole. And he's got to feel all alone. When he wrote 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 16 and 17. In 2 Timothy, this is near what Paul believes near the end of his life. He thinks he's going to be killed soon, executed by the powers that be because he's done nothing but preach the truth. At least since he became a Christian. Look at what he says in chapter 4. Verse 16, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. At my first defense, who came to stand by me? Who was there with him? What? No one. Did Paul know some folks? I mean, did he have some friends and stuff like that? Yeah, he did. Granted, some of his friends at this point were maybe in a different town, maybe they weren't physically present with him. Timothy was one of Paul's friends and and Paul is writing to Timothy and sort of talking about this. I kind of think maybe if Timothy had been around, he would have been there for Paul. But in this particular instance, Paul says, here was this moment in my life and everybody deserted me, the rest of verse 16 says. But look at verse 17. Who was with him? The The Lord. But the Lord did What? he stood with me the Lord stood with me and what else strengthened me ah now we're starting to get somewhere right so you can take one pencil and you snap that thing right in half no big deal you can put one kid in a room with a marshmallow or a cookie and if they're by themselves that kid might end up eating the marshmallow and the cookie before the adult comes back into the room but You put another kid in that same room and suddenly there's more strength. So that we can wait until the adult comes back in and we can both have a cookie. You add two more pencils to that one pencil and suddenly you have enough strength to withstand a good amount of pressure. And here in 2 Timothy chapter four, and we already saw it in Hebrews 13, and we already saw it in the Great Commission, when you're doing what's right, when you're standing, even though sometimes it's really hard to stand, you're never alone because God is there with you. And according to Paul, the Lord stood by me and He strengthened me. If you're looking for strength, you can always find it with God. You always find it in Jesus. So, do you all go to school with, with each other or do you go to different schools? Do you see each other a lot at school? You all go to school together. Good for you all. Half of you go to one school and half go to another school. Do you see each other a lot? Are you in a bunch of different classes? Or? Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if like you could see each other maybe a little more? You know, your friends, you, you worship together here at Lehman, and it's like, man, it'd be nice if we could just sit together. It, it, but even when I'm by myself out there at school, right? Maybe my parents aren't around. Maybe my church friends aren't around. I can know. The Lord's always with me. That give me the strength to do what's right even when sometimes other people don't you know or even when they're doing things that I wish they wouldn't do or that they shouldn't do that gives me strength to keep going stand together with God now how do you do that how do you stand with God y'all just throw out some answers for me here what do you think how do you stand with God praying absolutely what else study, study God's Word What else? Prayer and study. Anything else we need to do other than pray and study? Worship Him? Absolutely. You know what? One of the things I love about this weekend, I mean, have y'all noticed between sessions it's kind of hard to move around in here because this hall is so packed full of people? Or tonight, you know, when, when, when it's time for all of us to go in the auditorium, it's going to be pretty full in there. And that just reminds me, I'm not all by myself. That helps me to be strengthened. Man, when I go to God's Word and I start opening up passages like the ones we just looked at, I'm encouraged. I'm not by myself. When I pray to God and I give my concerns to God, you know, and I talk to my Heavenly Father and I say, I'm, I'm a little concerned about this, or I'm worried about this, or I don't really know what to do about this or that. And I know that God strengthens me. James tells us something. He says in James chapter 1, Be doers of the Word. And not hearers only. So I need to study the Bible. And I need to pray. And I need to come to worship. Absolutely. And then I just need to do what it says. I just need to follow His Word. And when I do those things, I'm standing with God. And I have assurance. I feel confident, because God's Word tells me this, that God is also standing by me. That helps me to be stronger. We're stronger together. I kind of like that thought because even when I'm all by myself, I'm not alone because God's with me. Anything you want to add there? You want to throw anything out? Just want to give you the opportunity. All right, you're doing great. There's one more thing, and I told you the second one is longer than the first one. And we got 20 minutes for this one. All right, so you ready? Stand together with God, but we also stand together with God's people. We stand together with God's people. this is a point that you guys really really need to know you're not by yourselves all right here's the thing we love God and what a strength it is to know that God is always with me that's great the problem if I'm being honest is I I can't see God and sometimes when life is just really really hard and there's some things I don't really understand I need to know that there are other people around me who also love God who can strengthen me and help me out when I'm having a tough time so God's people help me and and I want you to understand something this is God's plan like God doesn't want you to be all by yourself as a Christian in fact that whole notion is foreign to what God's Word actually teaches when you are saved when you're baptized you're baptized into christ and his blood cleanses you from sins but the bible also says that you're added to his church in that same moment so you join this this community of people this family of people and we're all right here together all right so i know we're studying james Don't tell anybody. We're not going to go to James for this point. Okay, it's fine. It's fine if other people find out. Okay, we're going to go to the letter that's all about the church. And that's the book of Ephesians. Can you open to Ephesians? Alright, if you're going to put a theme on the book of Ephesians, it's the church that belongs to Jesus. This book is all about the Lord's church. And that's why it makes sense to me to emphasize the book of Ephesians when we're talking about standing together with God's people, all right, we know that God is with us. We got everything we need when we have God. But as a part of standing with God, that also means that we have this community of people that we can rely on who are also standing with God. But see, here's the thing about this it's not just that a big group of people got together and they're like, hey, we all live here in Bowling Green, Lehman Avenue's not too far away. Uh, let's just all get together because we kind of like each other, and you know we have similar interests. We live in the same place, you know. Let, maybe we all like the same teams, whatever. Let's all get together, and, and we're just going to like each other. By the way, do y'all like each other around here? Okay, good. All right, good. That was scary asking the, the, the question <laughs> like that. No, that was good. You guys answered it right. We do like each other, but when we talk about being together as a church family it's more than just because we like each other it's more than just we're kind of like we're kind of similar and so we're all going to get together somebody put it this way i read this recently if you had a hundred pianos and you tuned them all what you're doing when you're tuned do you know about tuning a piano have y'all ever seen this done all right so there's these guys and they have these machines and it's much more uh uh, detailed than what I'm going to give you, but basically what you can do is you can take a, a, an instrument of pitch. This is like a pitch pipe. Some song leaders use something like this. And, and you can sound a note and then what you can do is adjust the strings that are on the inside of that piano so that it makes sure that when you play that key it is actually playing the note that it's supposed to be. You got that? Okay so middle C It's supposed to sound like that. So when you hit that C key on the piano, you wanna make sure that those strings and everything are just so so that it basically sounds that note. Now here's the thing, if you went to 100 pianos and you tuned every one of them based on those notes, you're tuning them according to a certain standard, right? It's all whatever this says it's supposed to be, right? That's the note, mm. and I wanna make sure that that is what that piano says when I push that key. See what I'm saying? But at the same time, what you're doing is you're tuning every piano not just to the standard of that note, but to each other. So that when they all play that same note, they all sound exactly the same. Here's what I mean. When you follow Jesus, and you follow Jesus, and you follow Jesus, and you and you and you and you and and everybody else in this room I'm following Jesus. I'm not following you. I mean, I think y'all are good people and all. And y'all aren't following me. I try to be a good person. But it's not about that. It's about following Jesus. But when we all follow Jesus, we're all united and doing the same thing. And so we're a part of this family of people who are able to interact with one another. Yes, because we're united together in Jesus. But it's not just because we like each other and we're kind of the same. The reason why what really unites us together is the fact that we're all together in Jesus, you see. So every person, every piano is tuned to the same standard so that they can all play together in a beautiful way. And every person, every Christian is tuned, if you will, to the same standard of Jesus. And now we all get to interact with one another in a really beautiful way. The book of Ephesians really highlights this. So I've told you all to go over there. Maybe I should too. Look at Ephesians. And uh, let me just give you some facts here for a second. The book of Ephesians definitely emphasizes your relationship with Jesus. For example, just look in chapter 1. Let's go down to verse 7 just to make it kind of simple for us. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. What's a blessing of being in Jesus according to that verse? What's the blessing that he's highlighting? Forgiveness, forgiveness right? Okay, so in Jesus, I find the forgiveness of my sins because I've been washed by His blood. But did you notice something interesting? Paul is writing this letter and he's not just saying that I personally and individually have the forgiveness of my sins, though that's true. He says, in Him, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our sins or trespasses. We. Our. Those are plural, aren't they? What does that mean? Is He talking to just one person or is He talking to a group of people? We're talking to a group of people, right? We're together in this. So here in Ephesians, he's talking about the church and he's highlighting the fact that we're standing together. In fact, 101 plural pronouns are found in six chapters of the book of Ephesians. 101. All right, that's a lot. And I think the Holy Spirit, when He's using Paul to write this letter, is trying to tell us something. So, look with me at chapter 2. And let's look at verses 19 through 22. Alright, I want to tell you something. Back in the first century when the New Testament was being written, these people had, well, a bunch of problems. But one of the major ones was, sometimes they didn't get along with each other, especially Jews, didn't get along with it, pretty much anybody else. You had the Jews, and then you had everybody else, and they were called Gentiles. All right, And that's basically just whoever's not a Jew. All right, And the Jews thought that I think sometimes they thought that because of the Old Testament, you remember God had chosen the Israelites, and the Israelites were the same as the Hebrews, and the Hebrews were the same as the Jews, right? And so God, I think these Jews kind of thought that God loved them more, or that maybe they had a better place with God just because of the Old Testament roots. Now, the reality is God loves everybody, Jew or Gentile. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, If if I have to tell you which are you, a Jew or a Gentile, I'm a Gentile, all right? And I'm thankful that God loves Gentiles. I think probably most of us in this room are thankful that God loves Gentiles in addition to the Jews. So all in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul's been making this point. In fact, back up in verse 14. Jesus Himself is our peace who has made us both one. Both Jew and Gentile. And look, He's saying, now in Jesus, we're all united together. We're all one family together. So look at verse 19. You are no longer strangers and aliens. Whoa, time out. Aliens. Aliens. Is he like talking about people who fly around in flying saucers and come from mars or venus or some other weird planet? no he's not talking about that what do you think he's talking about aliens you ever heard that word used in like not a green person with antenna sense it just means somebody who's not from around here it kind of means somebody who doesn't belong an alien that's why we call the made-up creatures that have, you know, the antenna and are green and fly around and sorts of aliens, you know, they're, they're from somewhere else, exactly they're from around here. So here, he's not talking about Martians, he says, you're not strangers and aliens anymore. You're not on the outside, you're on the inside. It's not that you don't belong, you do belong, and he illustrates that in several ways. First, he says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, do y'all see that in verse 19? You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are what? Fellow citizens, fellow citizens. What's a citizen? What does that mean? I am a citizen of the United States. What does that mean? It's kind of like where you live. Yeah, and it's it's sort of talking about like this country. You know, this is a place where I live. It's a place where I belong. And here, Paul says that that. You know, when we're in Jesus, it's like we're all part of the same country. We're all in this together. We're citizens of the heavenly kingdom together. You're fellow citizens with the saints. And you're members of the what? Household of God. Household of God. What's a household? A family. Yeah. Okay, so I'm part of God's country, the heavenly kingdom, and I'm a part of God's family. This sounds pretty good so far, doesn't it? By the way, you know that because you're in God's family, if you're a Christian, you're in God's family, and God calls you His son or His daughter, and you get to call God your heavenly Father. This is cool too. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus is our older brother. Brother in God's family. I love that thought. You're in the family. You're in the country. Okay, keep reading. You are built, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Foundation. Uh, What do you you think of about a foundation? What does that mean? Foundation. What's a foundation? Foundation. It's kind of something underneath something, right? So, uh, if you're building a house, do you want to build your house on the sand or on the rock? Okay, right? Remember that? Okay, okay. so you want to make sure that you're on a rock. You want a good foundation. Okay. Now we've shifted the picture again. We were talking about a citizen of God's country. And then we were talking about members of the household of God, a family. And now we're talking about a foundation he says in fact uh verse 20 we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and look at the end of that what is jesus christ the end of verse 20 he's the cornerstone okay the cornerstone is kind of important if your cornerstone's all janky the rest of the structure is going to be all janky all right they would set the cornerstone first to ensure that everything else was the way that it was supposed to be. What would you think about this brick wall if it were not like perfectly lined up? Do you think that whoever built this however long ago would have been pleased if the brick masons had come in and laid the brick but they they didn't lay them straight? Is that kind of what you paid for or did you pay for it to look kind of like this, right? This is how you want it to be. The cornerstone sets the measurements for everything else. So now we're talking about this house. And so he's saying you're part of God's family and you're part of God's country and you're a citizen in his country and you're also a part of God's building. In fact Jesus is the cornerstone he's the standard for the measurements of the rest of the thing and then the apostles and the prophets are there as kind of like another sort of foundation and then you're built on that as well. Christians are and Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we're like living stones in the temple of God God dwells among us all right and then there's uh there's another one or two verse 21 in whom the whole structure Jesus in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit okay so step back a minute as a Christian, you're, part of, you're a citizen of God's country. You're a member of God's family. You're a living stone in God's building. And in each of these instances, what we see is that the whole unit is benefited by individual parts, but also the individual parts are benefited by the whole unit. If we had just one brick right here, there wouldn't be much of a wall. There wouldn't be a lot of uh, stability and structure other than just what the one brick could provide. But you get several hundred bricks and you stick them all together with mortar in between and on the sides and suddenly you've got something. that be- And each brick benefits from the other brick being there. That's just like what it's like in the church. If you take a Christian and you put him or her all by themselves, there's not a lot of protection. Sure, that person's standing with God, but here we are living in the physical world. We need people around us too to help us, to help us out. And so, when you put a Christian in this context of a family, of a country, of a building for God, where God then says, "I'm going to come in and I'm going to be right there around all of them," all of a sudden you've got something strong. We're stronger together than we are by ourselves. There are going to be times when Satan is going to try to convince you that you don't need all these people. That you'd be better off either all by yourself or away from the folks who are trying to teach you to do right and good. Your parents somebody else in your life who's really a strong spiritual person. You know who those people are, right? Satan's going to try and convince you that you really need to be all by yourself. And see, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to be all by yourself. God did not plan Christians to be loners. God wants Christians to be in this community together for several reasons. For one reason, because when Christians are together, Man, that demonstrates how powerful God is. Look at what God can do in bringing folks together. In Ephesians 2 verse 14, remember I told you there were these two groups of people that didn't get along? Who were they again? Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles. All right, the Jews and Gentiles didn't get along. But in Ephesians 2, the whole point Paul's making is like, but now they're all together. And Jesus brought them together. And now they're a part of the same family and the same country and the same building. Now, how is it possible for people who used to be at odds with each other to come together? The only way that's really, truly possible is through the power of God working through Jesus who brings us together and breaks away anything that could divide us. Some people want to divide based on the way they look. Some people want to divide based on how much money somebody has. Or if somebody doesn't have money, then they're out. Some people want to divide based on if you're in the cool crowd or the not cool crowd. Or based on if you have a cell phone or if you don't have a cell phone. Or what kind of car you drive or whatever, right? People want to divide over all sorts of stuff. And Jesus comes in and He says, no, listen, here's what you need to do is you need to follow Me. And when you do, I'm going to bring you all together. And I'm going to equip you with this strength. But see, when we're together like this, we're showing just how great God is. Look at what God can do when He brings us together. Look at how God can take people who are different from each other, but who are all trying to follow Jesus, and when they do, man, they're a part of this family. They take care of each other. They call each other brother and sister. Man, they're a part of this country because they realize that even though we live here right now, really what life is all about is preparing us to go to the heavenly country to be in heaven with Him, with King Jesus. He's what life is all about. See, God brings us together, and God gets the glory when people look at us and they say, you know what? I'm not sure those people ever would have met if it weren't for their relationship with Jesus. I'm from Pulaski, Tennessee. That's a little small town. Bowling Green is like a giant city compared to where I grew up. And right now, I live in Henderson, Tennessee, and that's an even smaller town. I love it. But Bowling Green looks like a huge metropolis by comparison to Henderson, (laughs) Tennessee, okay? The chances that you and I would ever meet if it weren't for Jesus are very, very slim. But through Jesus we all get to be together. And so we'll help each other. A few more things, all right, my time is gone. Being together helps us to make sure that we stay on track, that we do what's right. Just like having two kids in the room with the cookie made them more likely to not eat the cookie so that they would then get two cookies. Alright? If I know that I've got Christians who want me to do the right thing, that's going to make me think before I give in to temptation and do the wrong thing. And then here's the last one. We're stronger together because you help me be better for Jesus. Jesus. Let me give you a, a proverb. Some of you are writing these down, so write this one down. Proverbs 27:17. It says, Just like iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Here's what he's talking about: We help each other, we help to make each other better for Jesus. That's why it's important to come to stuff like this and to come to Bible class on Sundays and Wednesdays and to be a part of worship and anytime the church gets together. But not just in the church building, but anytime. We can get together, we help each other out. We're stronger together than we are when we're all by ourselves. All right, snowflakes. Have you ever gone outside when it's snowing and maybe you put a glove on and you give it one little snowflake on the tip of your finger? And then you bring it inside because you want to show mom or dad or somebody, hey, look at this snowflake. It looks pretty cool. But you're inside for like five seconds, and what happens? Snowflake melts, right? Or you ever have those moments when it's like, I think it's supposed to snow. I really hope we're going to get out of school. So you're watching it snow, and it's just not, the ground's not cold enough. It just melts. And all it just basically turns into a rainy day, right? Snowflakes are pretty fragile on their own. But you take a bunch of snowflakes and you pile them all up together. You might have to close roads because cars can't pass. At least not down in Henderson where I live. We don't know how to drive on snow, okay? Uh, You know, ice, all of this stuff can pile up. Just look at what snowflakes can do when they stick together. Snowballs, throw it at somebody's head. Man, that's what I'm talking about. Stick together. We're better and stronger together than we are when we're all alone. You guys have been so nice and respectful. Uh, this session and the last session and the one before that, I'm so grateful for that. Thanks for being at Equipped. You may not have had a choice if you were going to come today. Maybe you're here because your parents are here. Whatever, man, it's good. You're here. And I'm so glad you're here. You're doing great. Keep, Keep following Jesus. And know that there's a lot of people around you who love you too.